On this episode of Doing Disney, we take a magic carpet ride as we fly to the whole new world of Agrabah to discuss the 1992 Disney animated classic Aladdin. Theme song guy. On this podcast, we let it go because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea because on this podcast, we do Disney. Hi there. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Kelly Meehan, and welcome to Doing Disney. This week we're discussing the 1992 classic Aladdin, and I have with me the ever-impressive, long-contained, often-imitated, never-duplicated Jasmine Lomax. Jasmine, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. What an intro. Oh, mate, that's epic. (laughs) That's brilliant. What a way to start. Okay, let's get started. Start at the beginning. Aladdin, released in 1992, with the vocal talents of Scott Weiner as Aladdin, Linda Larkin as Jasmine, Jonathan Freeman as Jafar, Gilbert Gottfried as Iago, and of course, Robin Williams as the genie. It tells the story of Aladdin, described by most as a street rat who actually is a diamond in the rough, meaning he is able to enter the illustrious cave of wonders as sought out by evil royal vizier Jafar and his parrot sidekick Iago. While in the marketplace with his best friend Abu, he meets Jasmine, princess of Agrabah who has run away from the palace as she is being forced to marry by her father. He is imprisoned by the royal guard on command by Jafar, who poses as a prisoner to lead him to the Cave of Wonders. Inside, he befriends the magic carpet and finds the magic lamp. Just as he picks it up, Abu touches treasure inside the cave, which was forbidden. As the cave begins to collapse around them, they narrowly escape with the help of carpet. However, when needing help from Jafar, Aladdin is betrayed and left behind in the cave. It is here that Abu shows he still has the lamp, and when Aladdin polishes it, it releases the genie of the lamp, who will grant Aladdin three wishes. Using his wits to escape the cave without using a wish, he makes his first official wish to become a prince in order to marry Jasmine. Upon arriving in Agrabah as the new Prince Ali, he whisks Jasmine away on the magic carpet to a whole new world where she discovers he is the same person she met in the marketplace. Upon returning her back to the palace, he is again captured by the royal guard and thrown into the water to drown. He uses his second wish with the help of Genie to escape and confronts Jafar about his hypnotizing the Sultan. It is here Jafar sees that Aladdin has the lamp and sends Iago to go steal it. With the lamp in his possession, he first becomes Sultan and then a powerful sorcerer, enslaving Jasmine and the Sultan and sending Aladdin to the ends of the earth. With the help of his friends, Aladdin makes his way back to Agrabah to save the day by convincing a now snake-like Jafar to use his final wish to become a genie, as that way he will be contained in his lamp. The Sultan throws out the rules about needing to marry a prince as Jasmine chooses Aladdin, and Aladdin uses his final wish to free the genie as we see Aladdin and Jasmine flying off to new adventures on a magic carpet ride. Tale as old as time. Jasmine, what are your first memories of the film? First memories of Aladdin would be actually having it on VHS at home, watching it religiously. I actually think we watched it so much growing up. The plastic <laughs> cover was actually peeling off, like the, the outer plastic that covers the animation. Yeah, that plastic because yeah, that, that was the shell. Do you remember those VHS yeah. ones? Like it had the real big plastic shell. Yeah, it had the plastic shell, but then it had the drawer, like the cover of it, but then it had like the plastic sleeve. Yes. That actually came off at one point (laughs) because it was so well watched. Anytime it was, if we were putting a movie on, it was always Aladdin. 
yeah, I don't really remember a time of not having Aladdin in my life. Yes. Uh, I'm very much the same. I've got this Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid. I have no distinct memory of because it's so early in life and definitely on VHS. And it was around the time um, Return of Jafar came out, which was straight to VHS as well. So I'm pretty sure I watched this Return of Jafar, King of Thieves. You know, that was the original trilogy to me. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. That was, that's where trilogy, the love of trilogies began. So I, I, I remember watching it an abundance of times. I don't think I had the VHS. I remember buying this on DVD and being able to watch it when I wanted. And it was also frequently on Disney Channel, on Foxtel and, yes. and on Indivision. So this is one that gets played so frequently. Yeah, definitely. And they even brought out the um, TV series. If you remember oh, that I love the, the TV series. How good was that? <laughs> that is one Every of the... Weekend. Oh, absolutely. On Saturday, Disney, on the morning, like they, and it was one of those yep. ones I couldn't appreciate it at the time because it was just the normal, but that is a really good adaptation of the film. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's so many that they do and it's just the animation's crappy. The storylines are crappy. Whereas I feel like Aladdin, the TV series, was it just as good as the movies. I, I 100% agree. It's like the continuation of the story and they added in yep. so many new interesting characters and really built out yeah. Agrabah and they just took it and ran with yeah. it. So I think The Little Mermaid might still hold up. I think the animation is not great, but I think the stories and the characters are there. But something like yeah. I remember Hercules not being as good and Emperor's New School and things like that. So it's those early yeah. 90s Disney cartoon continuation of the films and they would bring it out on VHS as well. Do you remember on VHS they used to bring out like the ads for the films before the film? Yes. So there's yes. always like the princess collection and things like that. Or oh, my God. I just triggered yes. something in you. You did. I never had them. You had them. You had <laughs> the wall of VHS and I had like six. I can remember when we came up for holidays mm. and I walked into your lounge room, I think it was, and there was just a bookshelf full of Disney yeah. movies. And I can remember I would have been nine, nine yeah, yeah, and I nine-ish. looked at mum and I went, why can't I have this too? <laughs> but they had, um, yeah. they, they would release it on VHS. I remember the Aladdin one specifically because they had like a red cover and then a green one and a blue one. So they would always play the ads before the 90s releases of the classic Disney movie. So I remember Sleeping Beauty definitely had um, ads for Aladdin and things like that on it. So the TV series is, is so ingrained with the, with the movies as well, which is great. Yeah. It's, it's the most successful yeah. Disney property that's spanned across things, I think. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's my favourite part because you'll see. Jasmine, what's your favourite part of the film? Look, I'm not going to lie, there's more than one. I mean, the standout point for me is when Prince Ali, Jafar and the Sultan are arguing about Princess Jasmine and who she's going to marry and who's going to win her hand and she just storms in gives them all what for and just ends it with I am not surprised to be one literally and hair flicks and walks away that for me is just like get it girl mic drop out of here you tell them men what for that is one of the best ones for me apart from that I mean you can't top the first scene with Jeannie Mm -hmm. that hole in the the cave of wonder scene is brilliant I mean it never gets old. His impressions of different people throughout history in that moment are brilliant. I actually think 
one of my favorites is, and I, it's due to something I've actually heard recently. I don't know how true it is, but I like to believe it's true. The opening scene with the seller and he's, you know, selling the hooker and this and that. And it, oh, it'll never break. Oh, it broke. Hearing that Robin Williams was brought onto set, was given a table full of props and just was told to have at it. And then that's how they got that scene just makes that a million times better. The just amount the of quick improv. wit of it all. Yes. Yeah. So the, I honestly, the opening scene has to be one of my favorites for that reason. I think the opening scene is so strong. And actually that leads really well into my scene because my scene is the little bit after the opening. So I'll touch on the opening first with the peddler. What a fantastic way to break the fourth wall and talk to your audience directly and have it hit because that is not a device that can always land. But because you've got the Robin Williams improv, it, it works. It works so well. And you're breaking the world at the start because you see him already doing things like infomercials and bringing in those yeah. real world touches from the jump that's it and you see the you know the crowd if you will kind of loses interest you see the camera pan away and he chases after it oh the like, pan oh, wait, away. wait 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 so the fact that that's already so interactive from the get-go pulls you in so as a kid I think this episode is going to be the heaviest where I use that phrase, this or Beauty and the Beast, because as we said, this is just so ingrained in childhood. As a kid, I had Aladdin's Activity Center for Windows 95, bought out of a Scholastic Book Club. I remember Book club. that. Thank you. This is, this is why I had to have you on for this episode, because we're, we're on the same wavelength. We're on the same. I remember when you came down to Perth, yep. you bought that computer program and put it on our computer. I don't remember that, but it checks out. But anyway, it's amazing (laughs) to have um, movies on the VHS because you can watch it when you want. But the issue always with VHS is rewinding and stopping starting and not being able to find your scenes. Like that's one thing I'm just not nostalgic for. So on the Lens Activity Centre, they had a section where you could play scenes from the film. They had six scenes. Two I remember distinctly. One is where Jasmine and the Sultan are sitting by the fountain at the start of the film and talking, you must be married to a prince by your 15th birthday. She's just given it, none of it. Yep. It's when she opens the cage of the birds. Yep, cage set free. Not subtle with the symbolism, but it is a really beautiful scene where you see these birds fly off and they pan around, like they swirl around Jasmine, pan off and see them flying into the sky near the sun and they sit on the scene. She's holding out her arm. Her arm, wanting to be free She's as well. Down. Exactly. Yeah. But they sit on that scene for just the right amount of time, just to let it sink yeah. in a little bit. So it's nice to have that little bit of, of breath in the scene. So I, I like that one a lot. But even at the start of that scene, though, you actually see her pull one singular bird out. Yes. And she gives it to her dad, the Sultan. He actually puts that bird back in. If that's not symbolism of going, you will do this, shutting the doors on that yeah. dream and she's okay, like, nope, open the doors. So I, I think that scene's quite brilliant and it comes with the, the, plot, the plot device for her storyline throughout the film, basically, yeah. and introducing it all. So, yeah. so that's good. The scene I will pick, though, is what we mentioned before after the opening scene. It's the other one I remember from the activity centre when you see the peddler pour the magic out of the lamp he pulls the magic out, it becomes the stars in the sky and transitions to the shot of Jafar on his horse in the desert. 
And what I really appreciated this recent watch through was all the colours of the film. It really yes. hit me in a way I never could appreciate as a kid, but now I'm being an adult and trying to pick what I like about it. The colours are so vibrant. So they have those beautiful yeah. hues of blue of the night sky in that opening scene. And you just have those little touches of light and the pale sand is so illuminated and it's just brilliant. The way they frame Jafar in that scene when we first meet him and he's looking down on Gazim, it's just so well crafted that it, it's immediately that he's menacing combined with the voice work of Jonathan Freeman. And it's just that really good introduction to the villain. No, it really is. You've just, you get the whole vibe of, of Jafar. You don't need to second guess a motive. You don't need to second guess, oh, is he really the bad guy or is he just painted badly? They're straight up. I was like, no, nah, this guy is no good. Oh, yeah, they, they chuck you straight in the middle of his evil schemes yeah. because then we see Iago steal the other half of the beetle from Gazine. He doesn't hold up his end of the deal. He steals the other yeah. half of the scarab beetle. And so it's specifically, I love that shot of the beetle being joined together when Jafar brings both sections together, the way he holds yeah. it. We're both, this is an audio podcast, but we're both doing the same hand gesture at each other. <laughs> It's, it's how it's joined. And you just see the full silhouette of Jafar's face behind and the big smile and the, the burning eyes. And then that beetle the illuminates. Evil glow. The evil glow, the, the illumination of the beetle onto Jafar's face, that gold juxtaposed against the dark blue because it's nighttime. And then the beetles, you hear that little flurry of the music and it flies off and the music kicks in, do, 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 and it's, the chase is on, so it, it adds that that drama from the get-go the about thrill. how important this is. The thrill of it in, in that opening it, scene yeah. is great. And then you, you see them come up to the sandy plain and the beetle breaks apart and becomes the eyes of the Cave of Wonders. Even now to see that cave coming out of the sand, the, those visuals mixed with the music, it's still so awe-inspiring. It's a moment, it takes you back to childhood. It hits the exact same way where it's impressive. It's an impressive thing. It is, it is. And like, you used to think that as a kid, be like, hmm, that could happen. If you remember rightly, as a child, I had a sandpit in my back garden. And I can remember after watching Aladdin, looking at it going, that could happen. Is there a cave in there? Or luckily I wasn't that kid that dug deep enough to try and find Mm -hmm. it. But it hits the spot. Oh, yeah. it's, it's magic. Right word for it. It's pure magic. It is the magic spot. It's the awe-inspiring magic of Disney. And also from that scene, we're introduced to the concept of the diamond and the rough. So what a way to kickstart the whole plot just from this, this one little scene. We know who our bad guy is. We know who Aladdin is to us because straight away after we see credits Aladdin. So we know that he's the diamond and the rough. Yeah. He's the good guy. So um, just what what a way to start it off. I I think that scene is fantastic. You ain't never had a friend like me. Who's your favourite character in the film? Well, it's hard for it not to be, Jeannie. I mean, you ask anyone from our generation who would have grown up loving this movie, it's Jeannie. It's a hundred times Jeannie. It's the character, the charisma, just there's so much extra about him and the magic and every just all of who Jeannie is. I 100% agree. There's lots of great, amazing choices in the film. We have Aladdin, Jasmine, Jeannie, Jafar, Iago, Abu, Carpet, Raja, all really strong choices. 
I've left Sultan off the list because if the Sultan's your favourite character, then hit me up because I won't believe it unless you say it to my face. But as you said, I've written the exact same thing. It is really hard to go past the genie as it's such a prolific character in animation. It's really just an iconic performance and characterization. Yeah. I mean, Jasmine was part of that era of Disney as well where you started having a strong opinionated princess. Not just that I'm going to sit down and wait for my Prince Charming. It was, yeah, fair enough. It was still the generation of, yes, she does get saved in the end. But she... She came out with an attitude. She gave sass. She spoke back. She stood up for what she wanted and fought tooth and nail. To me, I felt really kind of. Been inspired by that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you do see that, especially, you know, us being young girls. Yeah. Seeing a princess that's got a bit of an attitude who still, you know, still gets the happy ending, but isn't just going to sit down. You know, and I think that's a, that's a good thing for young girls to see anyway. Obviously I know Disney's kind of grown with their versions of, princesses needing to be saved that grown and grown but she wasn't a bad role model for us growing up either I've written the same thing because I'm like either way if you pick Jeannie I'll pick Jasmine either way I think those are the two (laughs) standouts of the film Jasmine is such a interesting character and she really is a major focal point for the movie for a movie titled Aladdin she's in it a lot so we get to see where she's coming from and what's her point of view and we get to see the development So later on when Aladdin tells us she's smart and she's fun, we've seen those things, which is phenomenal. It's not just, oh, I like her because she's pretty. Pretty is the last thing to come and she is stunning. She sings nice. Look, she's fabulous. But she's smart. She's fun. Yeah, she's headstrong and she's assertive. And as you said, there's we didn't get to see that a lot prior to this. There's there's a small moment when Jafar's at the end and he becomes a sultan and he's like, you will bow to me. And you see the Sultan start to bow. He goes, say it, girl. I would never bow to you. Exactly. So you get those moments. This is a young woman. Like, so I really forget she's 15, 15, 16, because when she actually married by the 16th birthday, like, so young. Could you imagine being that that um, confident at 15? Because I don't think I did. Even as well. But- <laughs> I mean, I tried. There was a bit of sass there. I don't know if I was that <laughs> confident. But even when, you know, Jafar became the sultan and was trying to get the genie to get Jasmine to fall in love with it, mm-hmm. and genie was like, uh, uh, and he's like, do not talk back to me, slave. And then Jasmine clicks on and sees Aladdin sneaking in the window, full on changes her demeanor as if to say, yes, the genie's made me fall in love with you. And his pure got him like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'll, I'll talk about you to you because I know that's what you'd love. Just wraps him around her little finger straight away. She's very manipulative, but I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. So it, oh, it's, those, was fantastic. it's those quick moments, like you said, when she's in the marketplace and Aladdin's like, oh, this is my sister and play along. And she just goes in on the bit. So she is so quick in that way and, and it's just great. And um, how she cottons on to who Aladdin really is just by the way that he pulls the apple off the tree. Uh, yeah, you're looking at me. Off the that tree. Off the and tree, then, rolls down the arm, hands it to her. And it literally hands it to her and you see her kind of grab the apple and look up at him like, I knew it was you. It's Aladdin. But she picks the moment. She picks the moment where they're sitting on the rooftop and she's, she does it so so quickly. She says, Abu would really, it's a shame Abu has to miss this just to catch him out. It's yeah. not like she fully confronts him because she tried that before and he still lied. So she knows yeah. to set that little bit of a trap. And it sounds so harsh to 
speak about a woman this way, but I mean this all in a, in a great light that she's using her wits and, and it's just great to see. It is. It's, yeah, about something about a princess using her brains rather than just her beauty. Yes. To get what she needs to get. Yeah, and, and as you said, we hadn't seen this very much at this point. We saw it a little bit in Belle in Beauty and the Beast, you know, yeah. um, is trying to save her dad and really standing up to the Beast when they first meet. Or we just had Ariel as well, who is a little bit yeah. more complicated to, to enjoy as a character nowadays being older. Seeing Jasmine at the same age is just chalk and cheese difference in, in characterization. powerhouse. Yeah. She's more of a powerhouse princess for that era, definitely. Let's flip it back around to Jeannie. We did talk very briefly, but why specifically the Jeannie? I know you said it's hard to go past, but what are the things, um, can you give us some more examples of of what makes Jeannie a favourite character? I think it's as, re-watching the movie more recently, you know, it had been a while since I watched it and watched it over the last couple of days. Seeing the the love he had for Aladdin, telling him to come forward, to be himself and seeing the the look on his face when I was like, no, you're going to be a prince. Jeannie would pull down the chalkboard and tell her the truth. And I was like, just went, no, got in his magic carpet, flew away. And seeing the look on his face of disappointment of going, oh no, you can do better than this. And the character development of the genie, he's not just, someone to sit there and grant three wishes. He's got so much love and care for Aladdin and the other characters as well. But just the charisma, like you can't go past it. Like I guess it comes down to Robin Williams as well with him being so well-loved. That's, I mean, that definitely helps. They couldn't have picked someone better to do, Jeannie. Yeah, you, you talk best characters, <laughs> vocal performance, funniest characters, and Jeannie's usually a very high placement on that list. And there's really nothing I can say about Robin Williams' performance that hasn't been spoken about time and time again because it really is so unique and phenomenal and just a part of those early 90s hot street times. And when you see the behind the scenes of him improving, and and I think I read something like they had 16 hours extra footage and the way he would come in and work with the animators, exactly. It's just really one-of-a-kind unique. So I can understand how that is the one that is always lauded above everything else because yeah. it's great so yeah it, it's things like the fourth wall breaking with the straight to camera moments I think they're well placed and not overused the impressions of the people from our world and the references that he brings and even though they are very steeped in early 90s and prior to that pop culture mm. they still work because that's what makes it a family movie because no child is sitting there watching Rodney Dangerfield impressions or Jack Nicholson impressions and getting it. To, to children, it's a funny That's voice it. and a funny characterization. But to adults, it, it, it brings everyone in. And even just like the one-liner jokes mm. that come through the whole way through the movie that, yeah, as a kid, it was just something funny that was said. As an adult now, you look back and go, oh, my God, that's hilarious. As someone older watching the film or or going back and growing up with it and watching it time and time again, there's a different impression that hits each time, one that you might not have caught on the previous watch. It's it's really the gift that keeps on giving on the film. Was there anything this this watch where you're like, oh, I never noticed that or, oh, now I get that? Because, like, we didn't grow up with the Arsenio Hall show, but I get that reference now. Or the Groucho Marx reference, I I knew who Groucho Marx was before, but I have a much deeper appreciation 
of the characterization of that and the fact that they make it black and white it is the smallest little moment and touches I just I find brilliant are there what's your favorite of the impressions he does probably look I'm not gonna lie it's probably the Jack Nicholson gotta be a straight shooter do you got it anyone of our era knows who Jack Nicholson is might not have known who he was when we were little so at that point it was just something funny growing up like oh my god yeah there's also the moment where he's making Aladdin the Prince so he pulls out his recipe book and he's like chicken ala king and pulls oh, out the Sebastian. chicken and I get that now. The Sebastian bits, Caesar salad, two brute, yeah. like just those real small little the clever moments that you don't pick up on as a youth, but now you're like, oh, wow, that that's very smart. When he's being his own audience member, I love things like that because he's, he's riffing off game shows and talk shows. So he's doing Ed Sullivan and he's doing Arsenio Hall, as I mentioned before. And what I really enjoy is that these moments aren't treated as something strange by the character. Aladdin is completely enraptured and swept up in all the magical moments. Like I really looked in on his face as this was happening and he's just got the biggest, silliest grin in his face. He's in awe of it. Whereas I find nowadays with our modern humour and modern movies, you would have a character who's much more pointed out. He'd be, he'd be like, where did that come from? Who is that? You know, it would be pointed yeah, out to be funny it, nowadays. It, he was just rolling with it and just sit there of like, this is all happening in front of my face. Oh, my God. Am I really seeing this? Yeah, yeah. That was the whole moment of all, majority of that. Anything that Jeannie does, a lot of the time, Aladdin he never really looked like he got used to it. Yes. No matter what part of the movie you're in. I mean, they like, yeah, when he kind of started asking Jeannie, I need you know, help with this or he did look a little bit less surprised, but there still was a glance of, oh, my God. I can't believe this is happening. The whole time, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's still an appreciation for the magic and the wishes and the miracles that are sort of happening in front of him because this is his wildest dreams. He's grown up with absolutely nothing. So to have all this happen is just so appreciative of the film and that's what I do like about the character of, of Aladdin. He's, he's passionate and lively, lively and appreciative of things. It's great. But I really like when you touch on Jeannie, that it's not just the zany moments. It's when he's being very genuine and being very sincere. It's when he wants to talk about being his own master or when he's looking after Aladdin, when he tells him to just be himself and it's the good advice. The balance that they are able to struck to show the duality of the character, to make sure he's not just the comic relief. But showing that he can get hurt. So when... Aladdin gets told that he will be marrying Jasmine and all this mm. is going to be Sultan. And Aladdin has that realisation that, oh, shit, I can't do this. Jeannie, you need to stay around. Yeah, I can't free you. Where Jeannie's, you know, come on, I'm going to set you free and, you know, try to mimic Al saying that and all of that. Aladdin's just like, I can't do that. I've got this responsibility. And you can see Aladdin freaking out and you can see the hurt. The way that his whole face is just animated to show the hurt yes. and the disappointment and just the heartbreak of that moment yeah they do a really good job with the physicality of the genie throughout the film it's oh, fantastic everything all of his yeah. emotions are so well done that you actually you feel that pain and then you get mad at Aladdin yourself it, you definitely um you, you feel for him so it's a great character honorable mention to Iago and Abu I mean how do you not love them Abu really doesn't he doesn't say much there is some his noises sound like words at some parts throughout it. Iago's just got that much damn sass. <laughs> it's, I love it. But even when, you know, there's the scene where Apu 
breaks into the dungeon to free Aladdin. And he doesn't say anything. And, it, you know, Aladdin sat there with his hands up in chains and says something about, I can't believe she was a princess, blah, 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 blah. And Abu jumps off him, mid <laughs> breakout, wraps his vest over the top of his head and as if to mock him for trying to repress Jasmine by going, blah, 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 it's blah. Great. There were no words used in that scene. The fact that he can sass him and put him in his place without stringing a full sentence together is just brilliant. Yeah, uh, Iago and Abu are great sidekicks both to their respective people as well. So Abu is actually helpful as an animal sidekick. Sometimes I feel like the animal sidekicks is just there to to be cute and not really that helpful. But Abu, as you said, like frees Aladdin and steals the fruits and is actually great. Oh, bites Jafar's hand. Yeah. Honourable mention to Abu for the whole reason they got stuck in the Cave of Wonders for all eternity. In the first place, couldn't (laughs) keep his hands off the giant red ruby. Yeah. But still he got, you know, he stole the lamp back and they got out of there. And on the other foot, you've got Iago, who you get a a talking animal sidekick, which, which you don't see as much sometimes i'm trying to think off the top of my head but no so you get that really, um, no. you get the villain someone to bounce off of so as cool calm and collected for the most part that jafar is very slick very insincere you have iago being that boisterous um sounding board and the chump and his chump daughter with the work that gilbert yeah. Gottfried does i'm molten here as he said he's he's the the catchphrase machine almost yeah when it comes down to the sultan feeding him crackers yeah. I've got to take one more of those dry crackers. <laughs> I'm saying about when it becomes Sultan and he's going to force feed the Sultan crackers and explosion that comes out of him. With, with his little Sultan hat. I love that meme. God oh, bless Jafar so for having his, <laughs> giving a Yako his own little Sultan hat. That's so cute. How could you not, though? I mean, if you are an evil genius, dress up your pets because you can have fun with that. Iago is also a sidekick that's, not bumbling in the way that we see like maybe pain and panic is to Hades. He's an actually effective sidekick when he disguises himself as the flamingo to take the lamp. Like Jafar doesn't get the lamp without Iago at all. Pain and panic bumble a bit. You can tell they're terrified. Whereas Iago, he's not scared of the man. He's just like, (laughs) yo, I'm here to help. There's not at one point you go, he's trapped there. He's there because he enjoys the hecticness. But it's that attitude that he gives Jafar. Like when he's on his, I want to say bike, it's not a bike, when he's pedaling to create the storm and he's pedaling and he's kicking off at the start of it and then Jafar gives him like a momentary pep talk. Then he's like, yes, he was bitching about it and now he's keen as a bean. Yeah. It's like, dude, pick your mood. But at the same time, it's so much attitude and stuff. He is a mood and it's great. You bring up with Abu and the physicality of the character and how you can tell what he's thinking. The way that they animate and give personality to a carpet is insane. The the way they make a face. It doesn't have a face, but you know what it's thinking and feeling. Right. It's like the shock of Yeah, it's shocked. So then all its its tassels go out the (laughs) side. It's it's disheartened, so the, the shoulders will lump. You can see he yeah. kisses Jasmine's hand when he meets her. When see, If he's excited, it's like exactly. arms up in the air and he's punching the air and it's you can see his whole 
body of his carpet is just like going out every direction, like just extending himself. It, it's pure it's excitement. really wonderful. And to have that foreshadowing from one jump ahead when it ends with Aladdin jumping out of the tower on a carpet to sail down and then to get the magic carpet later in the film, I thought was very well done. Fantastic work. One song. I have but one song. Aladdin has a wonderful and impressive soundtrack with songs by Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, as well as with contributions from Tim Tim Rice. Uh, This is that classic Disney Renaissance soundtrack that picks up from The Little Mermaid and The Beauty and the Beast with the formula we're still following because it works. We have songs like A Whole New World, winning for Best Original Song and becoming a karaoke staple. But there's also Friend Like Me, Prince Ali, One Jump Ahead. There's, There's lots to choose from. Jazz, what do you pick as your favorite song? I mean, the top one is definitely A Whole New World. It's a total cliche. I don't care. That song hits and it hits somewhere inside. It is just, it expands to so much more than just a Disney movie. It's just this song, you can sing it. It's a song that you can sing in the car at the top of your lungs. Yes. The same way you'd sing a Celine Dion song. There is passion in it. A whole new, it's always been a favorite of mine, even when I was younger. But I think for me, it cemented it when I actually saw the live show of Aladdin when it came to Perth. I sat three rows back from the front crying because with simple black backdrop, fairy lights and a moving carpet with Aladdin and Jasmine on it, I was mesmerized. That, that is the mesmerized. moment that really yeah. sucked me into the show. Like that I believed yeah. magic was happening in front of me, that they were really flying. That, As you say, it's such a, a simple moment from the show with that song. It was so effective. And it's just they didn't need, like on the live show, sorry, I know we're talking about the movie, but on the live show they didn't need the flying through Greece and Egypt and the desert and ending in China. They black backdrop with stars. And it just brought you in. But even on the, you know, watching this movie and as a child seeing them fly, now fair enough when I was six, seven years old, I didn't realise what countries they were going to, but, you know, you can realise that enough that they are all not the same one. I think we picked Egypt because Egypt. Yeah. So I can remember learning about that in school. We saw it in the movie and went, ah. But it was just the song that took them and it was their journey of falling in love together through that song. Yes, this is the the big song in the film. This is the grand sweeping romantic duet. We definitely had to sing this one in choirs and it's it's used frequently. As you said, it's not just contained to the film, it, it really permeated through the pop culture at the time. And it's you great. And I sung it in the car. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, it's great because of the romantic songs of the early Renaissance, like Beauty and the Beast and Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Uh, this is the one I like the most. This is the one I prefer. It does. They all hit. They all hit. Mm. I don't love but, the big romantic well, songs sometimes. I find them, I find... Beauty and the Beast and Can You Feel the Love Tonight to be a little slow, whereas this one's got much more to it than those, I think. See, I, I'm a big hopeless romantic, so all of those <laughs> I'm here for. I love them all. But this one, it would def- this one's definitely the top one. Yeah, because it, it does make you feel. It. Exactly. It makes you feel like you're on air and the duet's lovely, so it makes you feel like you're going on the journey with them. 
it's it's like um as I just mentioned before with the memes where you try and sing both parts at the same time, but it's such an intricate duet. You're sort of like a whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes! Like you've got to cut yourself off. <laughs> there is no time to breathe. <laughs> no, you just like it's like you, you hit that high off. note. You hit that high note that Jasmine sings, which I'm not going to because I can't no, sing, as yeah. you know. And then you just drop. Yeah, you're like, yes, I am the man. Yep. And Carrie, again, I'm not going to sing it because no one wants to hear that. But it's, and you're in it. And it's not just the song. It, it's paired with the graphics. As you said, they go through the different countries. But I like the beginning where they're up in the clouds. I think when they catch the cloud oh, and let it go. Cloud. There it is. We're both thinking the same thing because it's, it's, it's it. Who, who hasn't like dreamt of flying before and being up in the air? That cloud actually also looks, it's one thing I noticed uh, last time I watched it. That cloud looks so damn fluffy. It's so fluffy and cuddly it's looking. It's so fluffy. It's like it looks like a giant pillow that you just want to mush. Yeah, so them catching the clouds and um, swirling through the cloud and making it all together, that's that's yeah. an iconic shot. I'm pretty sure that was used as in the Saturday Disney promo and things like that. If you mm. have a Disney montage, I think those clips are making it for sure. And so yeah. to be so thematic in the song about wanting their freedom, as they talked about earlier in the film, about how you just feel trapped and so for the romantic song and for them falling in love to be taking control of their destiny and being free um, I appreciate it much more as an adult because I I can pick up on those thematic moments whereas as a kid it's just like a nice pretty song now I'm like wow that actually ties in so perfectly any adult you ask has had that moment where they want to be free they want to get away from what they've got whether it was in their teenage years or early 20s or at some point in their life, they've had that feeling. Rewatching that as a grown adult now, something about that, you see a part of your life in that moment. Absolutely. Of just wanting that, be free or go, just get out of what you've, be away from what you've got. Absolutely. Yeah, it's what most people will, will, will dream about. It's, it's a, mm. yeah. Uh, the other part I mentioned before as well is the ending when it comes when they um, fly very close to the pool of water at the end and you just see them reflecting like for a big, huge song to end on such a very sweet, simple note, I think is very effective. And it's also when you get the apple down the arm moment, which I think is great layering to add that in your romantic song to go on for the next scene. Very clever. I wouldn't think it would be done nowadays or in anything else to um have that thread be dangled from from that moment. I think most and most of the time because Jasmine is, it, and it comes back to that character of Jasmine yes. not just being a pretty face. She's not dumb. She figured it. She figured it out when he didn't have his hat on and on her balcony. She was like, "Wait, I know you." You look. He like, denied it. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's flicked an apple. She went, "Yeah." Just but all of that incorporated, just in one simple song, yeah, is amazing. So the pick I'm going to go for will be Friend Like Me. I will generally pick the big production number of a movie. It's what I gravitate towards. It's what I find the it most. It is de- you. It you is your me. whole life. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is the most enjoyable. It is the most replayable, rewatchable to me. And I think this is the one that trumps them all. It's never been beaten. It is so grand in scale. It is the mix of the vocal performance from Robin Williams mixed with the Broadway 
aspect of it. So, of course, I yeah. love that sort of thing. I love my old dancing. singing in the rain, dancing, Cab Calloway touches to it and the horns just punch it up. So I really yeah. like this one. Genie is just putting on a show and because he's he magical. He's saying, this is me. This is what I do. <laughs> Before the greatest show. Sit showman. down and enjoy it. <laughs> oh, he was the OG of greatest showman. We all know that. But it literally says to him, sit down, watch this. And because he's magical, you can get away with seeing all these wishes come true. And it's not like it's a dream sort of montage sort of thing. It's really happening in front of Aladdin and what we said before about how Aladdin's just so into it and getting swept away. It's really great to see. Genie being magical gives us that gateway. So when he walks out of his face, down his tongue that is shaped like stairs, I'm like, yeah, can I right. <laughs> but Yeah, totally. I believe it. Yeah, it's totally a normal thing. It suspends your disbelief where you're along for the ride as well. So the the creative and imaginative scenarios they made with both the lyrics and the animation of the song, I, I think this one's just fantastic. But as well, mm-hmm. one other one I loved and it was I was singing along nearly everywhere was the um, Make Way for Prince Ali. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say it's Prince Ali. on the elephant. It looks like the thanks the Macy's Thanksgiving. They Day do the balloon. Yeah. They did the balloon. And then, oh, look at all the peacocks. Oh, don't they just look lovely, Joan? <laughs> and it's the thing. And Jeannie's flitting here, there, and everywhere. And he's back up in the brothel. Yeah. You, you know, disguised as a female. The girls are fainting. And just everything about that song is just a pickup vibe. And everything about it is so damn fake. Yeah. Because that Prince Ali is fake. Yeah. And it just, but it works and it's fabulous. And then Jafar tries to slam the palace doors. They all come bursting through the doors just to be like, nah, we're here. Get used to it. There's one flash in that song, in that whole song. And again, it comes back down to Jasmine. When she's, she's out there yep, looking out on her balcony and she rolls her eyes. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to the, the dancers and whatnot. And then it flashes back to her and she just flicks her hand up like whatever, turns and walks away. You know what? That does impress me. I love that. Don't impress me much. She Shania Twain it. <laughs> so Shania Twain it. I, I love that you mentioned that because that's the exact point I was going to bring up as well. The intercuts of Jasmine and her reactions are just perfect. So you know that she's not being sucked in by all of this. It's just yeah. like we saw Prince Ahmed earlier on his fancy horse and his fancy gear. Like we know that she's not into all this. But I love that you say you can claim that you can sing every word of this because I reckon I can't. I've grown up with this song on CD and I reckon I can't say every word to this song. I'm even playing the Aladdin video game, this is the background music. I feel like I'm making up my own words half the time. Look, it, this movie's a favourite for a reason, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched this movie probably more times than I care to admit. This gets ingrained in your brain. But it's one of those... To sing it without the soundtrack behind me, probably yeah. wouldn't be able to do it. Second that, bum, 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 it starts, you feel it in your bones it's a and you're ready for the parade. Listen well, all of you. What is the best quote of the film? Again, I'm really not good at picking one. But one of my favourite ones, and it's the attitude coming out of Jeannie, is when Aladdin has given him the, yeah, like he's trying to trick him into giving him a free wish. You see the glance between him and a boost. Betty can't even get us out of this cage. And Jenny's just like, excuse me. 
Are you looking at me? Did you rub my lamp? Did you wake me up? Did you bring me here? And all of a sudden you're walking out on me? I don't think so. Not right now. You're getting your wishes. So sit down. It's not a one-liner at all. But there's so much attitude in it. It's fantastic. It's a great scene. That's it. But one of Jeannie's first lines, 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. And it's like, mate, that is just sleeping wrong. <laughs> Probably one of the good lines as well, when they've they've got the lamp, a bruise tried to grab the giant ruby. The cave of wonders is caving in around them. A bruise running all over Aladdin, covering his face, you know, blocking out his eyes, just tearing at him and freaking out. And Aladdin's just going, Abu, this is no time to panic. And then realizes they're like meters off a wall. Stop panicking. Great delivery in that one. And that, that whole scene's just so great. And as we were saying with carpet before, like what, what a hero, what a bro, like just save, oh, saves them all the time throughout the cave. in it. He's literally a guy he met 10 minutes ago. Dude, I'll save your life. Don't worry. We'll get you out of here. I, I got you. And there was a one one liner from when they get to the oasis in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. Jeannie realizes that Aladdin has tricked him into getting them out of the cave without having to use it. Which, and he literally, Jeannie turns around and is like, oh, Jeannie, wake up and smell the hummus. That's not something I even remembered until the last time I watched it. And then as to watch it, I was like, oh, my God, that line is brilliant. How is that not stuck in my brain? There's so much that you don't, like, pick up on until, until later watches. It's just this, that's what makes this one so watchable. You, one, don't get sick of it, and two, there just seems to always be something different. The yeah. quote I'm going to pick comes off of, of that scene. It's when Aladdin asks Jeannie, oh, well, Jeannie, what would you wish for? And he says, to be my own master, such a thing would be greater than all the magic and all the treasures in the world. But what am I talking about here? Let's get real. It's not going to happen. Because as we are talking about before in A Whole New World, um, the themes of freedom and being in control of your own destiny just permeate throughout the film. So I find this quote very poignant and touches in us all the feelings where at times we can feel by trapped by work, school, SES status, family, health, and even just within ourselves where we're not in control. So the delivery of it and the sincerity we touched on with Jeannie, I I think paired together, this quote is the one that I've been thinking about the most since watching it. This is your badness level. So how evil is the villain? I think Jafar's always been a top-tier Disney villain. It's just one of those iconic characters that if you ask someone in Family Feud to name a Disney villain, it might be the top answer. He's very power-hungry. He's up there. He's power-hungry, as we see with a lot of our villains, and really abuses his position of power, which is another thing we usually see. So he's using his, his status as the royal vizier to command the royal guard and use the secret areas of the palace. So what do you think of Jafar? You've actually said nearly <laughs> everything I had wrote down. Abu- abuse of power. Power hungry, yeah. <laughs> abuse of power. <laughs> but he does. And I think that's something that you do watch. And let's face it, you love to hate Jafar. Yeah. You do. As much as you hate him, you think, you know what, he's a power hungry a-hole. You <laughs> love to so hate him. It's so enjoyable to watch on screen. But it's and it again it comes down to the sass mm. that he throws and the side eye and everything. Like he's horrible. Mm. He's a horrible old man who wants to marry a what 15, 16 year old young girl 
just to have power. And then all of a sudden she's cast aside because he realizes he could be a genie. It didn't work out too well for him. Thank God. But it's just that power hungriness of, I need more. I need to be the best at everything. It's never going to be good enough if there's someone or something better than me. And it was his demise in the end, which worked out well for everyone else. But you love, it's one of those things that you love to hate to see. It's Yeah, I watched the um, the A Diamond in the Rough making of Aladdin. That's the behind-the-scenes oh, yeah. featurette they did. And watching the animator of Jafar talk about how he paired um, how he was drawing with the um, voice actor and matching that that um, vocal artistry and the expressions. He, he described Jafar as having an insincere quality. So that's why you see that side eye. That's why you see the, the glib smiles and the face drops and things like that. So I think that just, that characterization adds, adds so much to the, to the villain and paired with Jonathan Freeman's almost Shakespearean gravitas that he can bring to the role like when he really bellows it out and goes over dramatic mm-hmm. with it, it it just works so well but um so it's what you need you need when you've got a villain who is that hectic and that dramatic over yeah. the littlest things yeah it, it works it works and it's it draws you in to love to hate him even more it's it's got that Hades vibe where the whole time you feel like he's trying to keep his cool, but he can just definitely get super unhinged at the drop of a hat when it's not it's going bubbling. his way. It's bubbling. Right under the surface. Yeah. Surface. It's bubbling right there. And you see it the whole movie and he's just between the twitch on his face to the look of an eye, you can see he's just ready to explode at any time. So let's count down some of the evil deeds. We've got sacrificing Kazim, an unknown amount of other people, to get the Scarab Beetle to open the Cave of Wonders. Yeah. We've got casual hypnotism of the Sultan, command of the Royal Guard to imprison Aladdin and then telling Jasmine that he's dead, trying to stab Aladdin with that big knife. And that, that line, that line, and now you shall have your reward, your eternal, eternal reward. <laughs> then the, the crooked knife, that does not look fun just comes down you're like at that moment like when you're a small child like we watched this very very young children that was terrifying yeah then we have drowning aladdin stealing the lamp to become sultan making himself a sorcerer and imprisoning jasmine the sultan and raja i don't want to touch too much more of that scene because it makes me so uncomfortable with the jasmine outfit and they're eating the apple and the bits are spitting everywhere and using the word pussycat and i just i wasn't handling it on the street so much yeah that's it's probably something we should sidestep because that it's just wrong it's wrong so then of course you have him turning himself into a snake which is a fantastic bit of animation the way they use scale how big they make him as a snake and just wrapping up Aladdin in his coils. It, it's not terrifying. It's it's a powerful scene. It's intimidating. Exactly. It's, it's a very powerful coming scene. Out. Yeah. A snake am I? And you see that face start to morph with the tongue the coming out. Yeah. yeah. Very well done. Being an all-powerful genie, I, I admit, is a bit of a risky move on Aladdin's part that he thinks that's going to work. That's his street wax, streetwise motivations. But I think even it's... genie freaked out at that one. Yeah, that Genie's is. Um... Like, what are you doing now? You had said no, but that is Aladdin knowing that genie wanted his freedom because it was part and parcel of being a genie. 
Yeah, phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty living, living space. Something in Aladdin clicked and went, I'll get you here. Yeah, genies are powerful, but ah, you can't use that yourself. It's also good because you see him being contained to the lamp and it does give you that little bit of leeway for a sequel. So I have no idea if they were planning for a sequel, but I'm glad they did so because it did leave that door just a little bit open. So in the grand scheme of Disney villains, probably like an 8.5 to a 9 on the evil scale, in my opinion, where do you rank Jafar? I mean, I'm going to probably go 9 to 10 because he, he was manipulative. He was power hungry. He was going to do anything he could to be the best. It was murder wasn't. We didn't see him you know, with the murder. A, he, he made it happen. Yeah, he's probably a nine. One thing I did notice is he burns through his wishes so quickly. Like in the span of 15 minutes of the film, which would be about like taking over the course of one day, he burned through all three of his wishes. And that's just not very prudent wishmaking. Well, what about him? He's prudent in everything he does. The only thing very he was true. prudent in was really getting to the Cave of Wonders. Very true. And if that, I don't think it even was that much anyway. But that just kind of goes to show like how his power hungriness just had no limit. He yeah. wasn't thinking about it. He was seeing the next best thing for him. It was like, oh, well, this isn't going my way. So, oh, it's okay. I'll just do this. I, I think the cherry on top of Jafar, though, is the prince, when he sings Prince Ali back to Aladdin, when he unmasks Aladdin in front of Jasmine, taking the song that introduced Aladdin to everyone and being so big and boisterous and fun and everyone falling in love with Prince Abubu, taking it and throwing it back in his face is just so evilly brilliant. Oh, that's it. It's so evil. You are not only just about to get rid of Aladdin, you are breaking Princess Jasmine's heart here. And singing about it to their faces. Is it? Could it be more of a face slap? And the ending shot where, you know, he sends him off to, to be exiled, ends of the earth. They do the classic animation bit where they have the villain, they do the close-up of the face with the weird eye, the rings around the eyes, you know, that really unhinged, crazy yeah. look that animation. animation like he's films, lost the plot now. Like he's lost the plot. They love to do that fade out, big close-up on the villain face. It's slightly cliche. It is cliche, but it works. It works. Practically perfect in every way. So any random thoughts to wrap up the film, anything we haven't touched on? The colours of the film really did take my breath away in this watch. The the dark blues and purples of the night and then the warm pinks of the sunset when Aladdin and Jasmine are on the rooftop. It, it was very engrossing and brought you into the film. Very, very lovely to look at. The best example I find is when Aladdin's in the Cave of Wonders and he's crossing over the stepping stones and climbing up and you have that deep blue background and just the illumination of, of the stepping stones. Mm. And then when you, you see Aladdin get closer and closer to the lamp, I think that's the other with the magic carpet, whole new world, Aladdin picking up the lamp and being so brightly lit, that's the other very iconic moment that gets used over and over again. When he picks it up and that's when Abu picks up the lamp, so then everything just turns from these deep, cool blues to those red, hot the red, lava. The colour of that lava is yeah. insane. Yeah, it and feels real. The chase of it, the, it does. And the stones are popping in the lava underneath yeah. his feet. 
yeah. trapping them. Carpet's coming in to save the day. That lava is chasing them. The gold is melting all the way through. That gold yeah. melting down and becoming part of the lava. It's it's the the juxtaposition of, of the two of the warms and the cools. I thought it was very lovely and and very hit, hit me much harder. One thing as well, I do love, um, and it's right in one of the first. You know, when we first see Aladdin, he's getting chased by the um, palace guards for stealing the bread, and it's the different characters you see on the street. You've got oh, yeah. the guy lying in a bed of nails. You got the guy eating fire. You've got the guy shoveling fertilizer. Mm-hmm. So many characters all throughout the bazaar. It's just great seeing all the different quirks of Agrabah as Aladdin's running through it. Yeah, it makes the marketplace more vibrant and more lived in, like seeing all these different. I, I wrote in my notes, triggered from playing the Sega Genesis Aladdin version and seeing the fire eater and him spitting fire and having the palace guards come up and try and stab you. So, like, I, I wasn't feeling that at the time. So shout-outs to anyone that played it on Super Nintendo, Sega or the remakes. I've got to get some video games in there somewhere. But when you touch on the people in the marketplace, I'm like, the marketplace is, is a bit triggering. Those are the first couple of levels of the game, so... The other thing I sort of noticed is the choice of shots I found very interesting this time. Growing up, I didn't, we didn't sort of appreciate how cinematic the Disney Renaissance really was and how big a leap from the 80s that Little Mermaid pushed forward. Um, you get touches of it in Basil the Great Mouse Detective with some of those big shots. But here I found it interesting. It felt almost like you were directing real-life people so as I, t- I mentioned it before, but the big sweeping shot of the birds being set free and that camera really pans around and twists. Or when Aladdin walks up the stairs and you- you're following them walking upwards and you're looking down on them as they're walking up. Yeah. I feel like those are shots in animation we hadn't seen as frequently. It was very almost storybook before and now they were was- getting more creative. There was even the one, you know, when... Um- when Prince Ahmed's um, riding into the castle and, you know, yeah. Aladdin saves the kids from being whipped and things like that, he calls Aladdin a street rat and says, you'll always, you'll always be a street rat, you'll die a street rat. And Aladdin chases him, the palace door's shut, and it pans down on him. You can see how small he feels in that moment. Absolutely. Those choice of shots and angles hmm. are really... It's a powerful one because it shows the sadness and as much as he's saying, I'm not a street rat and we're, you know... It's not all I am and I will be better. In that moment, he does believe it. Yeah. You can see it all in that shot. I think this is close to being a perfect film for me. I thoroughly enjoy it. 10 out of 10, five full stars. It's a classic at this point for a reason. It's coming up to the 30th anniversary, which I didn't realise until we were doing this. I know. I know. 1992. It's coming up to the 30th year. and it's, I know. And it still looks amazing. Like I could only nitpick a little bit of the animation. I think a little bit of the computer animation and with the Cave of Wonders, that sort of thing. That's the only small thing I can pick at. But if that's all you're nitpicking for yeah. early 90s technology. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jazz, what's your score for, score for the film? Oh, it's 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10 every day of the week. Aladdin for me is a timeless movie that it's got so many levels and so many perspectives from all the different characters that it's just, it's one of those, whether you just want to zone out, whether you want to feel something, it'll never get old for me ever. He's to another 30 years of Aladdin. That's scary as hell. He's to another 30. (laughs) So Jez, thank you so much for joining me today. I've had an absolute blast chatting with you and would love to have you back anytime. 
Definitely. It's been so much fun, Kel. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor to be on your podcast. Love it. And to be able to talk about one of my all-time favorite movies. Absolutely. It's just great. And when you come to the end, (laughs) stop. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod.